Mel Tucker's staffed up and is tossing out offers to four- and five-star recruits like they're singles at a strip club. Xavier Tillman starts playing like he won't be around for senior day, so he just pops a senior onto his jersey. Hoops is grooving, and we're ready for March. We preview the last two regular season basketball games and, of course, take your Twitter questions. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves to Wolverines Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined as always by the man who makes Marcus Bingham look like he's thick with three C's, Kevin Greck. Thank you, of course, for listening. And if we could ask you a small favor, please, please share this pod with the Spartans in your life. Follow us on the old Twitter machine at Spartan underscore pod. And of course, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Those ratings, those reviews, they're huge. Huge, Kevin. Yeah, they sure are. You know what Marcus Bingham is not? Thick with three C's. That and also uh, Buxom. Uh, it was pointed out to me by several listeners last week that Buxom might not know what might not mean what I think it means. I had a little bit of a Princess Bride moment. Uh, I described your son last week as a Buxom baby boy, thinking Buxom meant generally plump. It's not what it means. Mm-mm. It's not what Mm-mm. it means at all. I let it pass. So, I let it pass. Others did not. And I learned a new word or (laughs) rather learned how to properly use a word that I uh, already knew before. So uh, Marcus Bingham, thick, not buxom. Last week, I might have, you know, made a joke describing him in in such a way. But no, no longer. Uh, I'm a better man now. I'm I'm happy for your improvement, and you know I'm sure our listeners were happy to hear mm-hmm. uh, that you know you picked up a thesaurus. Uh, yeah. Let's start with our, of course, presenting sponsor, Fraser's Pub. Uh, Kevin, it is the beginning of a month, and you know what that means. I I mean I'm on the edge of my seat to find it, out what this new beer of the month is. I just cannot it, wait. It is Founders All Day IPA. That's Not a right, bad folks. Choice. Not a bad choice. You can get 23 ounces for the price of a pint. And Kevin, I feel like it's a solid March beer because you're going to get those warm days where you might want to go do a little day drinking. It is tournament time. You might be watching multiple games back to back. And you want that craft beer feel without that alcohol content that's going to really crush you through the day. Except for I think the alcohol content is still there. (laughs) It was 4.7. Hold on. Let's get to the bottom of this. All right. Hold I'm gonna keep... on. All right. I'm going to to drizzly.com. It's okay. 4.7. Wow. How, how many other beers do you know right off the top of your head what the alcohol content are? Uh, locale ones. I got I got those down. Yeah. Can we quiz you on this? Not right now. But okay. um, do you also want to say, uh, folks? Actually, if you get a chance. The reason to go to Fraser's Pub is that MSU is playing Michigan in the Big Ten tournament uh, for hockey this weekend. It's a best of three. The games are going to be on Friday at 7, Saturday at 7, and if need be, Sunday at 5. So if you find yourself in town, uh, it's a great chance to support the Spartans. And of course, grab your pregame food and your postgame beverage at Fraser's Pub. And it's pretty close to Yoast. I mean... yes. 
semi-walkable. I mean, it, it would be a bit of a, a hike at that point, but you're in the neighborhood. You're inexpensive Uber, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, park the car over there at Fraser's Pub, go in, let the bartender know that you uh, heard, you know, from us, can't read, can't write, we sent you. And uh, then Uber on over, Lyft on over, do whatever you need to do, and uh, give the uh, the old Spartoons uh, the uh, you know, support that they, they deserve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, a good time. We got your whole will. weekend planned for, me, for you right now. So, uh, Kevin, before we get into the show, we got a little bit of housekeeping mm-hmm. to, to get to. Of course, um, we, uh, we mentioned last week that I was going to atone for a bit of a sin that is inviting a terrapin into my home while we were playing Maryland. I did so unknowingly, but I'm here to accept my That's consequences, mm-hmm. and you have selected for me. Um, you're, you're trying to get me ill. You're trying to get me sick. That's right. I'm trying to lower your, uh, your, uh, immune system so that you're susceptible. Specifically the coronavirus. That is (laughs) to say I am drinking per your, per your instructions. I have to drink five coronas during the course of recording. So if you, uh, have not seen this, apparently Corona sales are down. Uh, as a result, I believe 38% of Americans uh, polled said you could get coronavirus from drinking Corona. So okay. I'm here, tip of the spear, leading the charge for science and logic, <laughs> <laughs> and also atoning for my sins. Uh, also, another small piece of housekeeping. So, uh, forewarning, folks, this is going to get real loose, and I might get a little slurry uh, mm-hmm. by, by the end of this. Um, but Another piece of housekeeping is that uh, my wonderful co-host is going on a little bit of a vacay next week, and so we're going to have a guest co-host on with me, um, which should be fun and interesting, and we will actually be getting into coronavirus because uh, he is a public health expert, and um, the audio quality will not be as good because Kevin does the editing. (laughs) Uh, it's the correct principle of audio quality. Uh, you've heard of him. He participates in our Twitter questions, and you may have read about him in the Spartan Alumni Magazine several years ago. I think it's maybe two years ago now. They did a whole story what? on the Peace Corps. And oh. he was prominently featured in a way that I resented him for. <laughs> Didn't quite get the cover, but he got a full page spread. And uh, I have not been featured. We have not been featured yet. Not yet. In the alumni magazine. We're on our way. How are you going to handle this next week? It's our first week apart. This is like, this is a big step for us. I mean, are you going to be okay? I mean, this episode's going to have an asterisk on it. As much mm-hmm. as I love our dear friend Alex Plum, asterisk. Um, but excited nonetheless and scared. So let's get into the show though, Kevin. <laughs> Enough housekeeping. Uh, for folks who maybe uh, are turning in, tuning in for the first time, we don't normally spend this much time on housekeeping, uh, but the way the show works is we break it down into a few segments. The first segment is the green wall, where we take a peek at the stories that have been dominating some of the headlines regarding the previous week in Spartan athletics. We then turn to news that is off Grand River, 
covering usually college, sometimes pro uh, uh, headlines um, throughout the country. And we take some Twitter questions and wrap it all up with a preview of the games in front of us. So with that, Kevin, let's get into it. It's February. It's March now. Yes. Let's start with football. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's get into football. We will try and keep this brief. But uh, Mel Tucker rounded out his staff, uh, hiring Scotty Hazleton as the defensive coordinator from Kansas State. Kansas State. Kevin, we are no longer accepting not a sponsors from Lovey Smith Beard Oil. Yeah, sorry, Lovey. This was it for you, buddy. We had our time in the sun. It was good. We enjoyed it, but we moved on, and we're fearing a new beard now. The Scotty Hazelson beard, which is fierce. It is fierce. It's more aggressive than the Lovey Smith beard. Yes. The Lovey Smith beard says, I'm a distinguished gentleman with a lot of money. And the Mel, <laughs> the, the Scotty Hazelton beard says, things I auditioned go, for Hagrid. Yeah, things could go crazy at any moment. Like, you don't know what's going to happen next with that man's beard. Yeah. Uh, so Scotty Hazleton uh, apparently signed for, reportedly signed probably, uh, or rumored, I think is the better way of saying it, for somewhere in the million dollar range. Um, for those who are curious what you're buying with that, uh, the man has led several top 25 defenses. And while he's made shorter stops at places, everywhere he's gone, you've seen uh, marked turnarounds in those defenses. Particularly impressive was that uh, K-State last year was a respectable defense nationally and second best in the Big 12, which, you know, if someone talks about defense in the Big 12, you kind of got to say what? Side (laughs) eye. Take a glance. Yeah, he does some really interesting things with his defenses. We won't dive too far into the X's and O's now because... You know, who knows what they're going to end up doing with the personnel that they have. We'll know more after the spring game. But uh, he seems to be a pretty impressive hire. And that makes for, I believe, four uh, former defensive coordinators who are on the defensive side of the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think this is like a a, a center for conflict or do you think this all works out, Kevin? I, I mean, you don't really get to see what's behind the curtain in these college football uh, staffs. Um, I mean, there's going to be conflict. These are a bunch of people in the same room, 80 hours a week all the time. Um, whether that's more or less than a normal staff, I don't know. Um, but I'm optimistic about this staff and this team and where things are headed. There seems to be an energy about it. I am concerned that as soon as things start to turn a little bit South, the fan base might use these, larger than the fan base is accustomed to contracts as a bit of a cudgel against the, you know, the staff. Um, but we'll see. Uh, I mean, yeah. this is a good hire and the other ones have been good hires. So it forms a cohesive, good hire unit as far as yeah. I'm concerned. And we've got uh, some Twitter questions on the salaries that we'll get to a little bit later in the show. Uh, and we can kind of maybe dissect the staff a little bit more one more time for good measure. But the other news uh, of the week is recruiting. And mm-hmm. we're not going to get into every child that's been offered a scholarship at Michigan State. Um, 
but I believe it was the Detroit News which had a a lineup of them. And what stuck out to me is that this is nationwide recruiting that's happening. Hmm. I mean, there are offers in California, Colorado, Texas, in our backyard here in Michigan and Ohio. I think there's one down in Florida. They are they're tossing offers at at people whose uh, offer sheet is already flush with with schools that we would normally in the past would have said oh there's no chance Mm -hmm. but i i have to kind of appreciate that tucker's at least saying why don't we start the conversation you know if i can get this guy up on campus then maybe just maybe i land him but what's the harm in making the offer start some heat that was the thing with the 2016 class they I mean, we've had our issues with Curtis Blackwell on this uh, on this podcast, but they got a lot of guys on campus. They got some momentum going, and it tends to work itself out over time. Um, the other side of that is the Tom Izzo coin, where he's gone after tons of five stars and gotten very few of them. But, you know, we'll see how this thing goes. I I do think that this staff recognizes that for MSU to be successful, it has to recruit Ohio well. That's why they went after that gentleman at Kansas so hard. Um, so I'll expect them to do that. I'll expect them to start bringing in some guys. We have some questions about recruiting, so we won't belabor it now. But uh, it's a different approach than we're accustomed to seeing in the green and white. It's kind of making me tingle. Not going to lie. <laughs> um, going for those stars, baby. Yeah. Uh, last piece of football news before we get into really the what everyone wants to talk about right now. Uh, but we <laughs> maybe said some things that uh, were not true last week or operated on information that was incomplete. And so just want to give a quick status update. Jacob Panashuk appears to be back with the team, which I think is, you know, a pretty big deal for next year. I mean, we, we're losing a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, on defense. And so even if he didn't end up having quite the year that we maybe had hoped he would, he's still a, a formidable defensive end uh, who who has some pass rush capabilities that that will be welcome a welcome sight on the field. You can have four defensive coordinators on staff, but you need the pieces. You need yep. the Johnnies and the Joes in the trenches to win the game. So uh, it was fortunately this wasn't a situation where we talked a lot of. Uh, of garbage <laughs> keeping it pg13 here for the apple podcast uh we didn't talk a lot of gar- garbage about jacob uh on his way out the door uh this is sort of one of those like ragging on you know your buddy's ex-girlfriend and then he gets back together with her situations <laughs> we were good to you jacob we're happy to have you back let's move on yes and let's move on to what's given me even more tingles by the way one down, Kevin. One mm. down. Um, let's talk some hoops. And yeah. uh, there's a lot we, to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. Wait, and is so, that Corona in the can that you're drinking? It is. And here's why. What? Here's why, buddy. What? Uh, people, people, and I know Jer Bear will back me up on this. People like the sound of the can cracking. And so I do this because it's an audio medium. Okay. All right. Yeah, my little limes here, you know, I popped it in. We're good. Is the Corona available in a six pack 
uh, in cans or do you have to go to the 12? Ooh, I don't know, but I went with 12 because. Because what's seven more Coronas were on the house, right? Right. right. Why not? Because there's a game tomorrow and I'm going to need something to drink. <laughs> anyway, Kevin, uh, so why don't we do it this way? Let's let's talk about the two games that have been played uh, mm-hmm. since this past week and then maybe kind of pull back uh, up a little bit, look at the season at a, at a broader view. So sure. Uh, let's start back, uh, with Iowa and, uh, we took the, the Hawkeyes down 78 to 70 at the Breslin Cassius hell of a game, uh, Mm -hmm. 20 points, nine assists, five rebounds, including an offensive one, uh, and a steal Tillman, you may recall, got an early foul trouble. It was limited to just time. Yeah. Limited to just 24 minutes. Uh, had 6.6 rebounds and two blocks. Uh, but, you know, what the 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 stat line doesn't tell you about Tillman was just how imposing of a force he was on defense. Um, Garza got his 20, who he was guarding, but Tillman really made his life hard. Well, there was, uh, I think there was a moment on the bench among the coaching staff where they decided... At what point can we just throw Tillman at Luca Garza and not get it, not have to worry about him getting fouled out? Because like right. right around, I don't know when it was, eight minutes left in the game, 10 minutes left in the game, I should go back and review the tape. They switched. Instead of just throwing body after body after Luca Garza, who he was going through them, by the way. Luca mm-hmm. Garza was having a feast on those other guys. And then Tillman came in and shut him down. So... In a different situation where Tillman does not have first half foul trouble, it's possible that, you know, he starts that process at the 12 minute mark or the 15 minute mark or plays the whole second half against Luca Garza. So if MSU comes up against Iowa again in the Big Ten tournament, I think there's a pretty good game plan against those guys. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think... We'll get into the Big Ten tournament in a little bit, but uh, other important stat lines from the game. Watts had 21 points, though uh, he, he seemed to will it so. He had 17 <laughs> shots, two for seven from three, one assist. Um, and Henry quietly put together a, a really outstanding game, 17 points, six rebounds, four assists. It was the first time I, I, I would be interested to hear your take, but it was the first time that I felt like this team was a a bit of a team. And I, I would just ahead. add, I was, I was talking trash back and forth with uh, my good friend, Jared, who is a Hawkeye. And he said at halftime, I think that I always got this one. Like he, he called it. Oh, and really? Was, and I called was like the shot at the half. And I was like, no, no, you don't. They I were mean, only up by what, like six at the half, right? Yeah. And and so I know people thought we didn't have a very good first half. I would disagree with that assessment because Tillman was out for so much of it. Sure. But looking at that game, you know, I will say what Cassius only had one point in the first half. But I – so Tillman out for most of the first half. Cassius with one point and we're down by five. I'm like mm, – no, yeah, you don't have this game. Like it was the first, you know, you saw the role players stepping up 
to be able to lead the team in moments of need or at least keep the bleeding to a minimum. Yes, bridge the and, gap. Yeah, and, and so I was, I was really impressed as a team effort in that game. My only concern at the end of the first half is that there wasn't going to be an answer eventually for Luke Garza. And as soon as Tillman switched on to him, we had that. Um, I would disagree a little bit with your characterization that Henry had a quiet 17 points. I thought this was one of those cases where he kind of asserted himself a little bit more, uh, did a little bit more slashing. What was, uh, no, that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, um, I could bring up that his box score for that game. But um, I was impressed with him in the Iowa game. And I, I think we tend to be, we tend to ask a little bit more of uh, Aaron Henry, but I was impressed with him. Um, I think it's because Henry's game feels a little bit um, sometimes 1970s ish. That sure. it, it, it is, it is so uh, his fundamentals are so amazing, right? That there's, when he when he's at his best it it looks easy but not in a flashy way you know so when when i in we'll talk about maryland in a second it, his, the stat line was slightly less impressive but still very important time from him his his game is just maybe a little old school and so it just doesn't have that gusto to it has he changed his shot for some reason, I've started noticing that he shoots right in front of his face and he does not follow through the ball. Oh, maybe. I don't know if it's always been that way. I should go back and review some tape, but that's the second time I've said this in this podcast. But um, the one thing that <laughs> how that I, first I, review go, I put the whole Rocket Watts stat line on here because Rocket has decided that he's taking more shots than anyone else. <laughs> and he doesn't get a lot of assists. Our future point guard is definitely a shoot first, score first, create off the dribble point guard. And it's going to be a departure next season for MSU fans that are so accustomed to heavy assist games. Like yeah. going back years now, MSU's buckets have like 70% of them or 80% of them have come off of assists a lot of a time a lot of the time i do have my concerns that that will continue next season when it's rocket bringing the ball up all the time but that's for next year's podcast to discuss so we you know let's it, i guess let's transition into maryland cuz we can then start talking about both of the games you know in tandem the We'll just start with Watts because that's where we were. Thirteen points, three assists. Uh, the the one thing I would say about, for instance, one of those assists was he he created on a baseline drive and then mm -hmm. kicked it out to Arns for a three pointer um, from the corner. And so, you know, with, I I will be curious in Rockets' maturation if his ability to create on his own draws enough attention that he is you know if he gets that vision and that that ability to distribute off of the threat he presents on his own mm -hmm. uh that you know i i think you're spot on that next year's team will look very different than what we've been accustomed to over the last four-ish years four or five years um but it it may not totally deviate it, it just may feel a lot different Sure. And, and other elements of the team can also generate assists. Like Henry had three assists against Maryland as well. So um, 
what we did get in these two games is vintage Cassius Winston coming out of the woodwork. Yes. Cash turned the cash on and cashed out. (laughs) Oh, please. Yes. That's Uh, it. That's the audiogram for this week. Yeah. No, false. Cash had uh, 20 points, six assists, and yikes, seven turnovers against Maryland, where we won 78 to 66 um, at Maryland, which huge road win, huge road win. Um, Tillman, another amazing game, 14 points. I've seen it at 12 or seen it at 11 as well, but double digit rebounds and six assists. Um, Already talked about Watts. Malik Hall put together probably his best game. The man likes to go east. Yes. Uh, If he cannot smell the sea, he is not interested. Mm -hmm. Uh, 16.6 rebounds, uh, and Henry had nine points, four rebounds, three assists. You you know, listeners of the pod may well know we don't normally go into stat lines, but what is telling about both of these games is that it was they were complete team games. Yes. Um, And that's not something we had been seeing. And so that's a reason to have that energy. Also, Kevin, what's really exciting is we talked a little bit about Tillman's defense, but Henry and Watts are playing amazing defense as well. I mean, just causing nightmares for whoever they're guarding. Yeah, I think they're, for the most part, they're putting Watts on the other team's best guard as a freshman. Like, yeah, yeah. I I had heard that early in the year the staff had graded out Rocket Watts as potentially being like pro level defense capable. And we're seeing it. That dude can shut down. He also loves to slap the floor. He always I, I'm here the for slap. It. I'm here for it because you know what? It, 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 it I think we've we've talked about uh, Vanini, Chris Vanini, uh, formerly of the Only Colors, now with the Athletic, used to track floor slaps to uh deep, to what happened on the possession that on the you know opponent's possession and the stats weren't good uh, no the team but, gets distracted when it slaps the floor is but if you the slap the floor away. often enough then the, it the the correlation goes away and so i'm you here regress for you regress to the mean um were these the two most fun games to watch this season Hand, hands down because everyone points to the Seton Hall victory as you know probably our best resume win and it and it may well still be I don't know I mean but, but it was not fun like this is these were fun these were fun games yes the, the Iowa game was a lot of fun that is a if anyone cares that was a can't read can't write at the game season wrap unfortunately I won't be at senior day I'm bummed about that um Breslin had it going against Iowa and that game against Maryland was never even that tense. I mean, it was possible. The door was sort of left open where if Maryland played really well. They could have gotten back into it and maybe won the game, but it was, I mean, shots were going down in both of these games. People were making plays. I think back to back, these were the two most fun games of the year. Yeah. Uh, one other note about the the games that uh, is just interesting. Uh, Xavier Tillman in the Iowa game become became the all time leader in blocks with a hundred forty seven. Um, super exciting for him, though. I feel like you have to put an asterisk on that record, and it's only because 
Jaron Jackson Jr. in one season had 106. <laughs> so, so like, if he had played a second year, <laughs> I mean, that, that record would have been demolished. It's just annihilated. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so, look, these are uh, a lot of good things, though there, there were some reasons to be concerned, um, or there are reasons to be concerned. If if you want to amp up the fear factor, which, you know, I'm riding the high train right now, but Tillman being out is a problem. Sure. We we saw it in Iowa, and then when he was out against Maryland, oh boy, uh, that did not go well. Um, Maryland, it was it was the time that they were able to claw back. Bingham got teed up on a double with a double technical. Um, mm. I I appreciated him getting like lippy and not backing down, but. Tillman not being in foul trouble with Tillman is a huge concern. It is even more so than Cassius. Yeah. Yes. Because at this point in time, I know <laughs> no matter what Watts is totally comfortable being the guy in the moment. <laughs> like, you know, it, and good, right? Like it, That's not a bad thing. We don't mm-hmm. want to, you know, if we talked, I don't know how long ago that we wished we could, <laughs> we could, add uh <laughs> rocket watts's swag into aaron henry <laughs> but there have been times in preceding years where tom Izzo has put offensive you know staff out on the floor and the question has been like who's even gonna attempt a shot with this lineup <laughs> if rocket watts is in the game rocket watts is willing to attempt a shot yes. so you don't have to worry about that i mean it you know and you you like that when it comes to shooting you know, uh, coach says, shoot. He says, where, like, I mean, he's, you want me to shoot it from half court? I'll shoot it from half court, which we didn't even talk about the half court shot. Yeah. But, um, two in a a row, he's got to get the next one. How long can Cassius keep this streak of half court halftime shots going? Well, I did read apparently in practice, um, Kyle Arns was saying, cause he was under the basket when it went up and he had said, he shoots them regularly in practice, and he's somewhere between sixty and seventy percent. Really? Which, yeah, apparently he's fine. It, it, apparently his, and, and it's probably because no one's up in his face there. Because, and I think that will probably change. Yeah, keep that to yourself, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, his apparently his half court shooting percentage is better than his traditional three court or three point shooting percentage. So. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, let's talk also one other thing, Gabe Brown, we celebrated his return Mm -hmm. at Nebraska. Um, he's left us again. Well, he's been left out of the game plan. Like he hasn't even gotten the opportunity. He had five minutes against Maryland. He had nine minutes against Iowa. I think as the playing rotation constricts, Gabe appears to be the odd man out for, 2019 2020 campaign yeah in you know i'm sure that he will find his place and he will have a a few moments to try and play his way back in uh izzo spoke today at his press conference and and mentioned gabe brown specifically as someone who they he feels like they need but you're right i mean izzo's waited until now to tighten up the rotation and the rotation seems to be clicking Mm -hmm. so um the the one other maybe negative thing we could say is if you want to view things in the worst light possible, out of the last three games, that is Nebraska, Iowa, and Maryland, you could say only four out of the six halves have been particularly quality. 
there is still something to I, I'm just we're going into March. It's like make or break time. So, you know, uh, that said, the two games that had the bad half, if you will, are the Iowa and the Nebraska game. That Maryland game was through and through good. Yeah, they were clicking. So and we'll see how it goes when they stay on the road for Penn State. But we'll get to that. Um, last note, let's talk about the Lady Hoops for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, give a shout out to Taryn McCutcheon for breaking the all-time MSU record for assists. That's, you know, uh, we, we saw Cassius do it this year. Yeah, it, what are the odds an, that both it, men's and women's assist records get broken the same year? It, it's it's truly amazing, and it, and it speaks to... Um, a, a talent in in being able to see the floor and and understand the game of basketball in a way that I find wholly impressive. Mm-hmm. Assists to me are, you know, it, because it's you can only do one part of it, and so you really have to identify your best opportunity and and have people who can deliver on it. And so, uh, congrats to Taryn. That's an incredible accomplishment, and and uh, it's super awesome that MSU get to experience that twice in one year. And she has a great backstory, a very heartwarming backstory. If you care to go look it up, uh, she's from West Virginia, I believe. She had some struggles in her childhood, but she's really like hit. She's found a groove here at MSU. And I think her parents have moved to East Lansing and they're supporting her. And um, yeah, give it a Google, give it a watch. I think there's a... uh, An all access, I think. An all access on it, yeah. Yeah. so get to know Taryn and, you know, all she's a senior, correct? Yes. Yeah. So um, congratulations. We're happy for yes. you. Yes. Yes. Uh, and with that, uh, let's go to our first not a sponsor, Kevin. <laughs> Is this me? Am I not a sponsoring? Oh, you I, nope. You got this one. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no. I got this one. Uh, so, folks, uh, perhaps you're a recent or a soon to be bride. Uh, maybe you're going into a do-it-yourself witness protection program. Well, then, this week's first not a sponsor is for you. Join us at the Jeff Jackson What's in a Name Legal Seminar. Want to change the first letter of your name from X to Z, but then go by X anyway? What's in a name? Don't want to tell the police why you're driving a car registered to the athletic director? I say to you, what's in a name? So whether you're changing it for the first time or the fourth time, join Jeff Jackson at the What's in a Name Legal Seminar. (laughs) Jeff, thank you for your partnership and sponsorship with Can't Read, Can't Write. We wouldn't be able to do the show without you. Uh, Kevin, let's head off Grand River. Yes. Let us. Let's change our name to just off Grand River, the full podcast, (laughs) because we got a lot to talk about. Yes. Uh, Do you want to talk about chairs and uh, fights and brawls and and then that whole thing? I want to talk... I want to talk about uh, Bill Self, but so for folks who don't know, uh, earlier in the year, Kansas and Kansas State had a, uh, a basketball game. They had a disagreement. <laughs> a bit, a bit, and uh, it culminated in a brawl occurring in a courtside seating area uh, where I believe they they utilized that area also for people with disabilities, and... Um, the star player for Kansas at one point in time had a 
chair raised up in the air as if he was about ready to hit a Kansas State player. It was intercepted by a can- member of the Kansas staff. It was just simply taken from his hands. <laughs> um, in conduct that could only be described as criminal anywhere else, uh, the uh, some players were suspended. Well, anyway, Kansas and Kansas State had a rematch, uh, their first rematch since the brawl. And Bill Self, ever the opportunist, hopped on the phone, reached out to the K-State people, and thought, you know, I ought to make a display of sportsmanship. And so they started the game by marching to half court and shaking hands in a very touching moment. Uh, Kevin, I don't know if you can tell, the cynic in me is not buying this nonsense. I don't think you're sold on this thing at all. Um, What about our friend Bruce Weber? Where, Where is he in all of this? I mean, Bruce is a, he's a good dude, right? I mean, Bruce doesn't get any of the, any of your ire. And I mean, because he consented to this display, this half court display. I mean, he's a K-State. What do you expect from him? You know, I mean, he's a, he's got big 10 ties. We know him well. I didn't know if he, he likes to get red in the face. I don't think he should. I I think he should still be at Illinois. I thought he was a, I didn't care for him at Illinois, but in the right way. That was um, what uh, Izzo said, too, when he got fired. Wait, really? Mm-hmm. Oh. I mean, Izzo defends every Big Ten coach that gets sure. fired, but that was exactly what he said hmm. about Bruce Weber. So you're anyway. just like a really, like, you just know everything that Tom Izzo thinks. <laughs> he and I are in sync because mm-hmm. um, for a while I've been playing father for Stephen Izzo while uh, Tom has been on the road. Hmm. So, um, interesting. I didn't know that. It was yeah. nice of you to stop by at the house here while you were in town, apparently, so frequently. Uh huh. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, I guess nice moment, but I'm I'm not really buying it from Bill Self, the guy who you know uh, at convenient times has given a middle finger to the NCAA. Uh, I I think he does what's convenient for him, and so I call shenanigans. Shenanigans. <laughs> Um, let's move on to, uh, someone who's getting more money than Mel Tucker, Tony Romo. Dude, did you see this today? I did. Unreal. Tell the folks what's going on. The man signed a giant contract, a huge contract. Is this true? It's 17 million, 10 years. I don't know about the 10 years, but 17 million. Yes. 17 million to be a broadcaster. Let me ask you, Michael Jones, does the broadcasting crew have anything to do with whether or not you choose to watch the game? Well, you know, I don't watch a ton of NFL. Um, And I will say that uh, it can affect me in that there's a reason I don't watch the Pac-12 and his (laughs) name is Bill Walton. Did you notice that if you left ESPN on after the Maryland game, you got the UCLA-Arizona game featuring Bill Walton? And I immediately turned it off. I thought it was magic. I thought it was Uh, great. Though he did uh, did dump on Liberty University, and I did agree with him on Mm. that. Um, But... uh, uh, yeah, I it doesn't really affect me other than negative negatively. Like I don't watch a game because of who's commenting on or you know who's the commentator, who's doing the color. I I don't understand paying Tony Romo seventeen million, and I 
I don't understand how the free market actually, how there's actual value in that. There has to be something to it. I mean, as the economics major on the podcast, um, these are firms that act in their own self-interest and they've clearly done research that indicates that Tony Romo is bringing them additional eyeballs or additional engagement because brands are measuring that now. So um, I would really like to know the math that justifies this. I know that there are people out there that are really into commentators and, you know, care about their individual, um, you know, personas and things. I don't think I've ever, ever watched a game because of who was calling it with the exception of Greg Kelser and the Detroit Pistons. So I guess maybe that makes the whole, the whole thing. Um, I, I will say, I think Tony Romo's deal, if I recall correctly, is semi-contingent upon whether CBS gets the deal from the NFL. Continues to have NFL games to broadcast. That's correct. right. Which seems like a pretty good, like, can you imagine having that guy on <laughs> staff for 17 mil and then like giving him, I don't just know. Just doing halftime cut-ins. <laughs> yeah. Just like, all right, and now we're checking back in with Tony Romo. <laughs> Tony Romo <laughs> FaceTime for eight hours every Sunday. We're interrupting um, this episode of Kevin Can Wait for, for Tony Romo. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, Unreal. And I mean, I guess, what does this imply for everyone else in broadcasting now? Were they making this kind of money before? They weren't, right? They, I mean, they were I, doing okay, but not this level. I, I bet you Troy's not happy. <laughs> Poor Troy. <laughs> Speaking I mean, of personas that I enjoy, I love the Troy Aikman. Like, I hated, I hated the Cowboys because you either loved or hated the Cowboys, and I definitely hated the Cowboys. But like, Troy Aikman just being good old boy like devil may care on tv i'm for it yeah i mean i disagree I the man i mean i just what's up with you know there's got to be something to this dallas affiliation right i mean there's got to be something there what was popular 15 years ago that's what's broadcasting today that that it's like easy math whatever is hot right now Take whatever the take 20 of the biggest athletes right now, four of them will be on TV in 15 years. Sure. Well, let's uh let's wrap up our off Grand River segment with sort of a recap of the state of the Big Ten in in basketball. Yes. So the, all right, so it's easy to distill this. Maryland is still in the driver's seat, even though MSU knocked them off. So they're one game up. On- Can we talk about Minnesota for a second? Just go for it. <sighs> Dude, just terrible. Just choke. Oh, my God. So bad that you couldn't do one good thing. Just one. Just <laughs> like you are useless. Your mascot is dumb. But he just spins, he spins his head around like the exercise. Who cares? Just <laughs> dumb. dumb. And the ski you ma think like what? What? And why do you have to step up to get onto your floor at your basketball stadium? I, I am genuinely confused how you can be so terrible and have one of the more talented people in the Big Ten on your team. I like I am just baffled. It's almost Minnesota. like you you shouldn't be coached just because your last name is Patino. Um, <laughs> yeah. Almost almost like that. I mean, 
maybe we should have learned the lesson of that Patinos have poor judgment and just imparted I mean, this is, all of that onto the entire family. Isn't it like his seventh year in Minnesota? He's gone. Gone. He's anyway, got to be. Yeah. Anyway, so the gist of it is that Minnesota almost beat Maryland, which would have meant that MSU and Maryland were tied. But currently, Maryland is one game up on MSU, Wisconsin, and Illinois. Kevin, I cut you off. Continue. No, you're good. So Maryland basically just has to, they've got the inside track. And they're playing, you ready for it? At the rack. <laughs> what? Which is Rutgers, for those who don't know. Yep. And Michigan to end out the the uh, the regular season for them. So not the easiest um, slate of all time. You know, going on the road to Rutgers has actually been difficult. I think only Michigan has won at Rutgers. Am I wrong That's about correct. that? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. And then Michigan at home, depending on their where they are right now with their personnel situation, I mean, that's a formidable team that was really clicking uh, like just a week ago. So yeah. it's not impossible that they drop both of these uh, or even one of these. And if they do, that leaves the door open for MSU, Illinois, and Wisconsin. So Wisconsin of those has the easiest road. Northwestern at home, which is Ken Palm 134 for the record, uh, and at Indiana, which is Kempom 38. So pencil in Wisconsin for at least one and one. Illinois has to go on the road to Ohio State, and then they play Iowa. Um, so those are like sort of right around that same area, Kempom-wise. Um, pretty formidable. I think at best they could hope for a one and one uh, between those two. But I mean, I don't know what Illinois rangy Iowa's got Luke Garza. It'll be interesting to see that game. MSU, unfortunately, has the toughest slate, of course, which we'll preview later on with Penn State on the road and Ohio State. Um, it wasn't that long ago that Penn State was in the top 10, and Ohio State is cooking right now in certain ways. So the door is open in the Big Ten, but Maryland, it, it would be nice if Maryland made a couple of mistakes. Wait, is you have it as two different things? Is Ohio State eight or are they twenty, or is Penn State twenty? Mm, Penn State is Kempom twenty. Ohio State is Kempom eight. Okay. MSU so, is Kempom seven. Ohio State is Kempom eight. So Illinois has a bit of a, a tough road in front of them as well. Indeed. Um, but you know, look, Michigan State did what they could. Um. You know, it would have been nice to see Maryland drop one, but either way, they got to win out if they want to share the title. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you pointed out, we'll preview in a little bit, but, you know, it's, um, they're not going to be easy games. And, but, you know, if, if this team plays like they did against Maryland, I'm feeling fine. Sure. Yeah. So. I mean, you think this team that played against Maryland can't go win against Penn State? They absolutely can. The team that played against Maryland can't beat Ohio State at home. They absolutely can. On senior day. On senior day. Cash so, day. So um, it'll be very, very interesting to watch how the rest of this plays out, especially if Maryland drops this game at the rack. And if it gets to the point where we need to start rooting for Michigan, we will tell you all how to feel. Um, 
I have a really hard time making peace with that. I don't know about you. I don't do it. I mean, rooting interests has no impact on the game, so I just don't do it. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's a, it's a win-win. Uh, if they lose, you can be excited. And if they win, you can be excited. You could argue that the rational thing is to root for Michigan, but the even more rational, the bigger brain thing is to still root against Michigan because, Why? because it, it requires some kind of like superstition to think that your active rooting interest has an impact on the game. Ah. So that's that's the bigger brain thing. That's the can't read, can't write. <laughs> you'll you, you'll need to map that out uh, yeah. at some point in time. We'll draw up a whole flow chart uh, <laughs> if it comes to that. All right. Uh, well, let's hear from our next not a sponsor, folks. Uh, this episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by Turgeon's Travels, the travel agency of Road Warriors. Here's what makes Turgeon's Travels stand out from the competition: you only fly on very reliable planes. That is, no more mechanical issues that delay your flight. Flights only run during business hours, which makes for a very profitable business model. And we pass those profits on to you, the customer. And we empower all of our customers to make the moment exclusively about them. That's right. If you're the kind of person that gets out of your seat right after the fasten seatbelt sign has come on, then Turgeon's Travels is right for you. Can all right, I, Kevin. Can I, yeah. can I break down this not a sponsor? I, I didn't have anything to do with this ad copy that was provided to us by Turgeon's Travels. How does Turgeon's Travels pass their profits on to the customer? In savings, obviously. Of course. Uh, okay. Because they're a very profitable business model only The higher the profits, flights. the higher the savings, of course. Yes. I, I know that to be true. That's a core business tenant. It's a Costco model. <laughs> uh, and look, uh, by offering flights only during business hours... It makes them very profitable. It's a solid business plan. I don't, I don't understand what the confusion is. <laughs> the backstory to this, in case you're not aware, is that Mark Turgeon is a whiny boy. And he gets <laughs> called out for it. <laughs> and then has to release a hostage video later on saying, I'm very sorry, Big Ten. I'm thankful for the opportunity <laughs> to play here. <laughs> it's and a good time. Guys, yeah, if you haven't had a chance to, uh, do check out Chris Holtman, the coach from Ohio State trolling mark mark turgeon about this it's fantastic uh but kevin let's head into twitter questions i am uh, sadly only on number three here so i gotta pick things up yeah we gotta accelerate come on i should have made those corona seltzers which i didn't realize was a was product a that existed until the game uh but uh next time that Ooh, no we're next gonna call time. that we're gonna call that a to-do uh, I got, I got a question second. for you, Mike Jones from Jer Bear. You ready? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Favorite part of March. How awesome is it to remember getting out of class, warmer weather and having live sports at like 11 AM? Well, Jer Bear, I think you've identified <laughs> your favorite part of March. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say, you know, Kevin, y- you wrote this down. I think we're unified on this because it reminds me of our Delta street times. Indeed. It's the balcony. Spring yeah. balcony time. Um, or the porch. You can sub in a porch if a balcony is not available. That's yeah, fine. But, but my house on Charles Street didn't really have that same kind of vibe. That that Delta Street apartment was awesome. The balcony is where it's at. Yeah. The rest of the thing, eh. But, no, it's, it's uh, maybe, maybe you just decide that you'll just read the textbook that day, and you just do a whole day of day drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's going out to grab a bite to eat or stopping by a bar and just enjoying the experience of getting there. Um, I, I don't, I, there's a lot of reasons to miss college and being a Spartan March is certainly one of those times. There's Um, a thing you do on the first spring day where you check the syllabus and if there's no tests and no quizzes, you just not go into class that day. (laughs) Yeah. It's just not Um, happening. And there's always uh, the smell of tear gas on a lovely March evening. As it Um, wafts through. Of course. That, oh man. Oh man. Well, what year was that for us? That was nine and five. I'm thinking of five. Um, That was, that was messed up. Mm -hmm. I was working at uh, Big Ten Burrito at that time and delivering stuff and, uh, they were like the horses that looked like what are they called in the Lord of the Rings? The the oh, night riders or nope, you know, not it. I'm not even gonna it? attempt it because you bungled it so hard. Oh. Um I'm just gonna leave you hanging out there. But anyway, armored horses. Armored horses. Anyway. They're still around. Uh thank you, ELPD, being awesome as always. Um definitely not exercising discretion like say the Ann Arbor Police Department. Um CT and TC, and I mean that about Jeff Jackson, not about anything else. Um, CT and TC asks, am I right in assuming you guys are more into football than basketball? It seems like you understand a good amount of football, X's and O's, slash philosophies, and that may not be your basketball strong suit. Well, if you notice CT and TC, we did dial up a little bit of the statistical talk uh, for this episode. But at the same time, we've also received questions from listeners that indicate that maybe we should dial back some of the X's and O's and the statistics talks and make sure that we explain things as we go along. Um, so I think we're trying to strike a balance right now. Uh, we appreciate, uh, what you have to say here about the football X's and O's is very nice. Yes. Um, but I think we can hang with basketball as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, we, one of the challenges is a that we are trying to get as broad of an audience as possible because we thrive off of people listening to us, and b that there's that the thing where you're talking and you you're constantly like, oh, I should have explained what that is or who that is. You know, we have people who weirdly listen to our podcast who know nothing about MSU and for some reason just like hearing us talk. And they should and continue so, to to yes to like that. By the way, and. And so, you know, if we got into the minutia of switches and man help, then uh, we we might lose some people who just don't care. Um, and in fairness, with football X's and O's and and basketball X's and O's, we're always learning as well. You know, it, it it's not like uh, we we could be in there drawn up plays for Izzo or Mel Tucker, but it's it's a trying to find that balance between seeming like we know what we're talking about and uh, and not um, losing people in the same process. Indeed. And uh, I would also say uh, basketball not being our strong suit. Look at our Final Four record, buddy. It is our strong suit. <sighs> um, next question from CT and TC is, favorite member of the Wu-Tang Clan? I'm going to take Jizza for sure. What do you got? Oh, why? Uh, well, I like his uh, solo stuff. 
Liquid Swords, I think, was the record from the 90s. But then also there's like more recent stuff as well that's pretty good. And I like when he shows up on other people's stuff. You're probably uh, you're probably ODB guy, aren't you? No, 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 no. It was actually uh, a bit of a challenge to make a decision. Um, I would say it's either it's either Method Man or Ghostface Killer. Is Ghostface actually in the Wu Tang Clan? Yeah. I know he's like Wu Tang adjacent, but was he ever actually in in the clan? Oh, you just you just coming across ignorant right now. Okay. By the way, uh, RZA and other select members of the Wu Tang Clan. I don't know who they are. I think they're being non-specific for a reason. Is coming to the DSO in March to play their first record over thirty six chambers. It's sold out. I don't think you can get tickets to it, but that sounds like an amazing show that if I was more into Wu-Tang Clan, I would probably pay whatever it takes to go into to go see. But uh, keep that in mind. Good story. If you love Uh, Wu-Tang and you love the DSL, March 21st, it's going to be a good show. Next up from John Hubbard. and I'm almost done with three here, buddy. boy. Is Mel Tucker's use of six million for assistance simply a head scratcher or a cause for concern? I'm in between on these two. I, well, we don't know he used all six mil yet. Yeah, we don't. We don't have all of their contracts. Um, Though Courtney Hawkins reported ta- payday uh, indicates to me that he did use all six million. I don't think you needed to hand that guy 400K to get him to come <laughs> on campus, but what do I know? <laughs> Um, what do you think? Look, I think for a great number of the coaches, they had jobs. I mean, in the same way that Mel Tucker kind of could demand his price with us because of the timing, so too could a lot of these assistants. And there's a great number of them that are not bad hires. And it's not like they are, um assuming that they've been at least semi-fiscally responsible, that they're hard up for money. I mean, they were making good amounts of money, and so taking a year off for some of them is not the end of the world. So you got to pay. And I'm actually really very excited about the coaching staff that's coming in. And and if that also meant that some people got a payday that... Um, maybe isn't commensurate with experience people like uh darian harris for instance i don't know what he's getting paid but i i assume and hope that it was a pay jump for him um courtney hawkins uh trying to think of the strength and conditioning coach that they brought out of img academy like i'm i'm fine with all of that i'm excited for it and i think the more interesting question is what are the the terms of the contract and how long does it go you know, if some of these guys are on one-year deals, fine. Then they know, get a coach for your life. And Can't Read, Can't Write will bring you that information as it becomes available. This is yes. definitely a subject of great interest to us and the listening audience. So we'll continue. We've got FOIAs out everywhere. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> so much redacted stuff coming back from the university, but it's all right. We'll get it. Actually, we we got to talk about that afterwards. Um with the hire of Scotty Hazelton, can we expect the, what is this? Sekia. 
Sekia family defense to return to its former dominance. Oh, yeah. You don't know Peter Sekia, apparently. Um, we don't go political on this show. Uh, so, yeah, this is the first endowed positionship of Spartan football. And Peter Sekia, the esteemed former uh, ambassador to Italy. With, this uh, is an endowed? Yeah. What did I miss on this? Yeah, the Sekia family put up for... So this is becoming trendier and trendier. U of M, most notably, has one of these for every one of their position coaches. But it's an endowed position now. So presumably the Sekia family is throwing in on this guy's, uh, on Scotty's beard oil over the course of the season. And they get their name attached to him as as a result. Sort of like a, a... fellowship or uh, you know uh, you know uh, uh, certain professors get it's like a chaired uh, professorship yeah yeah so and they probably signed some kind of contract where they're giving 200k or something like that a year to attach their name to the scotty hazelton the Sekia family official scotty hazelton defensive coordinator this? position I feel very ill-informed. Should have done some Googling before getting this question. It's okay. Um, Expect to see more and more of this. Anyway, it, to answer the actual uh, question, though, there's a lot of turnover on personnel, but we mentioned all the D coordinators that are now position coaches or the head coach or an actual D coordinator. And those people who used to be D coordinators who are position coaches were very good position coaches. I have no reason to believe that this defense isn't fine. Right? Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, And, you know, with potentially a better offense, they may get a little bit more of a breather on the sideline and mentally in every game. So you may find that the defense at least matches some of what they had last year. Yeah, I... Personally, I can't I can only speak for myself. I'm way more interested in what the offense has for next year than the defense. I mm-hmm. I'm a straight Spartan taking defense for granted, even if last season it was a little bit of a down year. I assume that that's going to be back and I'm keeping an eye on the offense. So Sekia family. Great. Thanks for ponying up. Um, but I'm looking at the other side of the ball in the spring game. Next up from John Hubbard asks, uh, what does Izzo drink in that red sports coat? After the I.O. win, is Tom Collins or a Gin Ricky? And I just want to say that uh, I was when I was texting with my Iowa buddy, he was trying to rip on Izzo's jacket. And I immediately pointed out, A, that's a jacket you would wear. B, you wish you wore that jacket today. C, you're probably searching where to find that jacket. And D, don't be mad, bro. Like, <laughs> that jacket was awesome. I liked it. I'm happy for him. It's, it it was a great jacket. I would wear that jacket. Yeah. Anyway, I, that was more jacket personality than I'd seen out of him ever in his entire career. So mm-hmm. I'm on board. I also got to learn what a gin Ricky was. Uh, I looked it up in advance of this. Uh, and I'm going to, I like it. Let's add it to the repertoire. It's not all just cheese and teas. Let's, let's have a Ricky in there. What, but what do you think Izzo's post victory drink is? Are we talking I mean, like seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you I think to speculate, the, the man doesn't drink coffee or alcohol. Oh wait, did I miss that? I'm pretty sure that's like an Izzoism. Uh, 
All right, fine. If he did drink, what would he drink? Uh, shots. Uh, Shark Bowl. What do you think? Shark Bowl. Um, I think maybe he's a Scotch man. Sure. I mean, he's distinguished. My Which Iowa, is he a Highlands? Is he Isles? Like, what, what are we looking at here? Uh, I think he's a Speyside guy. Okay. Um, I, in, my buddy did point out that it did sort of look like a Michael, Michael Cohen jacket, which, touche. Um, well, Cohen right. spent some time in Lansing. Maybe they met. <laughs> Swap jackets. All right, last up from John Hubbard is multi-tiered extra points, reverses on kickoffs, preposterously named animal mascots, shotgunning Bud Light Seltzer in the locker room. When will we find the courage to say what we already know in our hearts? The XFL is the superior football league in the USA. I love this question because it felt like an opening to one of our podcasts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We could have just read this right off the top. Yes, we should have not given him any credit. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm on board because uh, the XFL, I was walking past Harrison Roadhouse uh, this week and I noticed that they were telling Everyone that would read the sign that the XFL is on TV and they should come in and watch some XFL. I'm for it. XFL is the new football. It's the future. We're all going to be doing reverses on kickoffs in 10 years. All right. I'm going to do some serious drinking while you answer some questions. We have the return of the upper deck jerk guy. It's good. When can we get? Yes, it is good to have you back. Uh, Yes. Uh, can we get some more Grecky principles? <laughs> so I we've noticed on Twitter that the Greck principle of just make it 10 at the half, whether it's only have a deficit of 10 or be up by 10, has really resonated with the upper deck jerk guy. I mean, we're mm-hmm. changing lives out here on Twitter. It's come up like five times. So, And I thought my theorem was really solid. He was not interested in that. Did you notice... During the broadcast of the Maryland game, they put up a stat that MSU was at that time 109 and zero when leading at 10 at the half. And yes. now they're 110 and zero. I mean, the, the Gretchy principle. Gretchy. <laughs> I don't have, I, I was racking my brain. I don't have anything else quite that good. I have other like way more conventional sports isms. I'm going to think about this though. I'm going to see if there's another like rule you got, that I have in the back of my head that I need to get. What about there. beer pong? You got a beer pong rule? Um, go for the house. What about formations? Yeah. You take the house on the formation for sure. All right. All right. Whether you're in front or behind, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be a desperation move. Always take the house. All right. What do see? you think? You get how many re-racks are we going with here in this game? Two. It's always two. Well, look, you play in different places. I've moved around a bit. People have different rules. Um, I, I'm kind of a line person. I always like take the line. Three, four, five. How long a line? It depends going? on it depends on how well I'm playing. If but the point, it. yeah, the point is, if I feel like I need to zero in on that solo cup, <laughs> pun intended. Uh, you know, I got to be able to ice the game, go for the line so you can start getting that line synced in, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, next up from the upper deck jerk guy, am I crazy for thinking foster lawyer is going to hit a critical three before this basketball season ends? 
Well, the man has to get on the court first. So he played a total of five minutes over the last two games and six minutes against Nebraska during a blowout at the end. So I guess if Foster Lawyer is going to be hitting a three, it'll probably be because in the game, Cassius is in foul trouble or something like that. Or Strong disagree. I, I don't. I mean, is this going to be another Ohio State yep. last year in the Big Ten tournament type situation where Izzo just sits cash? They're going to do some load management, and Foster Lawyer is going to find a shot only to be MIA again whenever we need it. Okay. that you think that exact same story is going to play out in 2020 the way that it did in 2019? Because I, I think part of it for Foster is that he knows it's part of load management, right? Mm-hmm. So he knows he's not going to get pulled. So he knows he can just shoot. light it up. I I genuinely think that part of Foster's issue is purely mental. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, Foster's shooting well. It, the problem is defense. The problem is that they oh, go sure, right at him. Sure. So yes. It, 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 yeah. Well, also, did you notice they went straight at Kithier as well? Yeah. And he kind of held his own a little bit, but I would uh, also go at Kithier. But I yeah, were. there there was one drive in the lane which. It might as well have been, you know, Foster Lawyer falling down and getting called for a foul. Like, I mean, it was, it was bad. Anyway, next up, Upper Director Guy asks, Bell's Oberon, overrated or sweet, sweet nectar? I'm going to say that's the Ambrosia. I don't think it's the all-time best beer, but it's classic and it's always good. And it's becoming available wider and wider. So I'm a buy on Oberon. Did Oberon get changed at some point in time? I don't think so. That's my knowledge. I feel like when we were in college, it had a higher alcohol content. I mean, I would trust you on that because you were able to name alcohol contents for beers on the fly. So I feel like it used to be above six. I don't think so. Um, Because it came out at a time where those types of beers just didn't exist. No, it definitely was at least six before. Give me mm. a second. It's asking me my birth year. Because that's a thing. Because you can just type it in there. You go into Bell's oh, website. They did. They did. It definitely used to be at least six. It's now 5.8. Mm. Definitely used to be six. Anyway, uh, I'm still by on it. I, I, I do think it gets a little overhyped, but... Um, I don't want to admit it, but Upper Deck Jerk Guy, you brought me around on Hop Slam. You really mm. did. You really did. Ooh. I hate to say it. Um, next up from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy, and my mom did, which how weird is that? She really loves Hop Slam. Anyway, next up from the Upper Deck Jerk Guy, what's the over-under on where the 2021 football recruiting class will be ranked? I think you put it at 30. So I wish he had given us a number and asked us to pick over or under. Yeah, so I'll put it at 30, and then you choose. I'm going to pick it at 31 and a hook. Okay. Um, It's the first year, so he's behind already. I mean, a lot of these guys, if you go to the college football subreddit, recruits are, you know, they're committing all the time. So uh, this first one is just sort of a get it in the door. And then the following year, that's when we're really going to see what Mel Tucker's got in the recruiting game. But I, I'd like to believe that he's a few spots better than what he was able to do at Colorado in his first year. 
But to your point, yes, he's a little bit behind. So the 2022 class is the one to keep your eye on, though I certainly expect it at worst to be 36. Mm-hmm. There's still enough name cachet. And with a, a new hire, like there's a lot of reasons to be jazzed. 36 would be ro- low. 36. Yeah. I would be disappointed with 36. Um, next up, will the NCAA tournament committee go by the net or deviate? Well, you know the upper deck jerk guy, the net only informs the committee. In fact, there are five different metrics, including the KPI, our preferred metric, the Kevin Pauga index, which I had not checked all season, but now I have, and it has Xavier as the number four team, UNC as the number five team, and Purdue is the top-ranked Big Ten team. So Kevin Pauga... I'm proud of you for getting your name thrown in with the official NCAA committee, <laughs> but your index is not very good, my man. <laughs> so um, they're going to continue to use the net, and we're going to continue to hear about quadrant wins, and uh, I'll continue to roll my eyes. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you could go to one football game next year, which one would it be? Well, I intend to go to most or all of the home games one way or another. So I'm going to choose a road game and I'm going to go with the old brass platoon game. That's my one true rivalry game. Forks down. Wait, not the land grant? No. Spittoon. I choose Spittoon. You don't want to see that beautiful, beautiful trophy? You I mean, you mean the, 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 the gold jug or whatever? The, whatever. Uh, who, who was it? Uh, one of the dowels called it like the the gold jug. Oh, whatever. like he didn't know it existed before it came out on the field. There was <laughs> yes. one of those stories. Um, yeah. Well, so for whatever it's worth, we are in very very early conversations about me trying to make a trip out for homecoming, and maybe doing a little bit of a can't read can't write tailgate. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's the thought for right so, now. But so we'll do see. A little- Pencil circle around the homecoming game on your calendar. Um, if maybe um, a heart, draw a heart around it. If yeah, and you know, if um, we'll start a, a GoFundMe and for for my trip out there. This isn't healthcare, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up uh, from the upper deck jerk guy. Sorry, mom, this is coming. When was the last time you gambled and lost? on the is it a fart scenario and greg i'm gonna let you answer this and then i've got a probably unexpected answer i mean there are some times when the upper deck jerk guy leaves a question where you can sort of clock him by age and this is (laughs) i mean this is an older man's game right like this is not usually a problem what's what's your story share your anecdote michael jones well so when i read this I immediately thought of this is a game that I regularly play with my son, (laughs) which (laughs) I mean, it's just a reality of life. He's 15 months old. There's the, was that a fart? (laughs) It seems like a game you're going to lose a fair amount of the time. Oh, it is. It (laughs) is. Um, all right. (laughs) Last question comes from Alex Plum, uh, future podcast star for one week asking what is the most important thing mel tucker can do to refresh the culture in the program 
define culture however you want. I'm thinking D'Antonio glory days of 13, 14, and I assume he would loop in 15 as well. I'm going to say enthusiasm, right? I, I think we can call it now that maybe things were a little bit stale the last few years, both just generally in the program in terms of like youth and enthusiasm. I, I'm not trying to say that the staff wasn't working hard. I'm not trying to say that the, the student athletes weren't playing hard, but there's like a additional level of enthusiasm that wasn't really there. Um, during that time, the most recent years, what about you? What was your reaction when you saw this question? Yeah, so I think some of that enthusiasm was built in the years prior, right? I mean, the the run to from 13 to 15, if you hopped on then, I don't want to call you a fair weather fan, but mm-hmm. I mean, I I felt that that thrill for the program that we hadn't felt for most of our college experience um earlier than that. There was a real sense that we were genuinely competing. And so I'm always a little bit wary of the word culture um, because I don't think D'Antonio had a particularly bad culture. Hmm. I think his guys showed up to work. I think they worked hard. Uh, I do think there's something in the last, you know, that class, uh, what the, you know, 17 to 19 the seniors who who graduated there was just something missing there and and I think when you listen to D'Antonio talk the last couple seasons you weren't really sure he was in it either and so you know I guess I would I would focus that enthusiasm on that coaching maybe I don't know if it was a younger man's game or or what but I I can only imagine the amount of work that it is. I mean, it it is. D'Antonio was borderline complaining about the amount of work that it was. I mean, that was basically (laughs) what he referenced in his in his his his, press conference. And so, you know, he just he lost it. And I don't know that there's a lot from a, a culture standpoint that I need to see changed. I wouldn't like to see a repeat of the the catchphrase heave ever again. But but you know. He he tried, and it seemed like he was. I mean, there were some certainly some misses on the decency of human beings that he recruited, but there were a whole lot of really quality wins, and that seemed to be a point of emphasis. Um, it, you know, it, it, it and it seemed like there was a drive for a lot of his tenure, a real drive and a real attention mm-hmm. to detail. And it seems like Mel Tucker has hooked up the, you know, the juice hose and is ready to spray that juice all over everyone and really just get it going again. And so I just I just think it needed a little bit of a refresh. I don't know that it needed to be a culture change, um, but to your Plum's question, just a refresh. So the answer is drive for you yeah. and yeah. juice. little juice, juice change. Inject some juice of, into it. Just give me all that juice. Anyway. All right, well, you guys can talk about that next week while I'm not around. Yeah. Uh, all right. We have our last not a sponsor. And Kevin, while you drink or while you read that, I'm going to try and get to beer number five. 
All right. So. Yeah, we're we're excited about this one. This one comes out of the crossroads of America. This episode of Can't Read, Can't Write is not brought to you by the Purdue Recruiting Bridal Gown Boutique. You thought the Caleb Swanigan Lightning was only going to strike once, didn't you? Well, make that a second, ladies, because Caleb First has committed to Purdue basketball and not MSU. So take those Brandon Dawson, Gary Harris, and Jaron Jackson bridesmaids dresses out of your closet and throw them away. Who needs them? You're on a roll because you're the bride once again. Can't Read, Can't Write, and the Purdue Recruiting Bridal Gown Boutique. Also brought to you by Purdue Basketball Fandom Salt. The best salt for all of your salt needs. Just a little bit less salty today. Salty as ever. And even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again. Kevin, let's talk about the week ahead. So this is it. Stand up and fight for this, Michael Jones, because Talk there slowly. Are two games left. Penn State on the road and Ohio State at home, senior day. So Penn State is apparently launching a wear white campaign at uh, Ooh, Bryce Jordan not Center. Not a good look. For tomorrow. Yeah, for Tuesday. Would you um, say they're encouraging white power? Okay, so someone is four beers in. That was good. <laughs> That was a good indicator to me. Thank you. We're going to cut that? All right. Nope. I'm not marking the time on that one. Um, So as probably many members of our listening audience are aware, they were on a bit of a tear through mid-February. Mid-January to early February, they were winning games. But now Penn State's lost three of the last four to Illinois, Indiana, and Iowa with only a win against Rutgers at home. So... um, they're reeling a little bit right now. Uh, Myron Jones has missed several games, but he did come back in the most recent game uh, and gave 20 minutes off the bench against Iowa. So before that Iowa game, the most recent game he'd played was at Breslin Center. So he had 20 points in that game. Um, It looks like he is going to be back and contributing full time. So you may be able to expect that uh, that uh, he gives MSU a go, but um, lately they've been a much better defensive team than an offensive team, which is sort of the inverse of what things were earlier in the season for Penn State. So they're going to push the tempo. It didn't work for MSU last time, but now MSU sort of hitting shots and running and more comfortable in the lineup. So I'll be interested to see what a higher tempo... Penn State game on the road looks like Tuesday night in Happy Valley. And so what, I guess, in terms of matchup, um, I mean, you think Rocket's going on Myron? Sure, probably. I mean, didn't we say earlier, best guard? It's that or Henry. Yeah, probably, probably Rocket then. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, in terms of this game, the the note that I'm looking for MSU to continue to hold is defense. Mm -hmm. The the defensive consistency and um that that actually when I think back at the last about the last two games, you know, that really was what was the difference maker in my mind is well, defensively there was real shutdown D 
Ken Palm adjusted D has now advanced above adjusted offense for MSU. So MSU is now the 12th best offensive, the pardon me, the 12th best, the 12th best adjusted defense team and the 15th best adjusted offense team in the country. Yeah, that equals the seventh best team. Well, I mean, <clears throat> there's wow. We're we're creating great radio right now with uh with both of our coughs. Um I mean, that happens when there's 365 teams or 353, pardon me. Um, I mean, there's going to be a lot worse teams than that. And teams that can put it together on both offense and defense and have a pretty good strength of schedule at the same time are going to be ranked pretty high. Yep. Yep. Um, All right. So let's talk uh, the onion parade here. Sure. Ohio State. Are you ready for this, Cassius Winston's? No, I mean, no disrespect to Arns and Connor George and perhaps even Josh Langford, but are you ready for Cassius's last home basketball game? No, I, I'm, I'll candidly admit I will cry. I will absolutely cry. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it, are you not, I mean, the, the thing, you know, I, I, I know every MSU game during the broadcast, they run this segment about what the wooden award means to Cassius Winston. Mm -hmm. And I know he's not really in the running probably anymore, but I think about his, his leadership and uh, what he was for this university during some of the last Larry Nassar scandal Mm -hmm. and, and his support of victims. And I am just, it's going to be real sad to see him go. Just such an amazing Spartan across yeah. the board. I mean, and and on the court, obviously, right? I mean, he he does things, and I know Dan Dockage called him fat or whatever, but <laughs> I mean, just the the athletic gifts for someone who, you know doesn't have the build of a lot of his peers Mm -hmm. are incredible. But to me, what is more impressive is honestly the ways that he's changed Izzo. Like, I mean, he does not have an Izzo dynamic Mm -hmm. in in a historical sense. And then the ways that he has been a leader outside of basketball have been second to none. And, and it embodies in my mind, all the things that I would hope, people see someday in MSU or, or, or see what MSU really is, if that makes sense. Absolutely. He's one of those guys where, you know, you do those thought experiments about like, if you could take a guy and just make him a permanent member of the team, usually you do that for like your best player. And Cassius is one of the best MSU basketball players of all time, but he was also one of the singular best student athletes I've seen in my time watching college athletics for me, for me, he's the greatest of all time. Yeah. I mean, I'm struggling to come up with someone better that represented the university as well as he did dealt with adverse adversity in the way that he did. Not that that's a requirement, but he, he handled it so well. And he is inventive in his play as a, a basketball player and 
I uh, I'm gonna miss him to death. Watching him play over the last three years in particular has been such a treat. And to think that it'll be gone next year is really going to bum me out. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. So, you know, I I know Izzo made a comment today about, you know, don't give the players too much love on Twitter, uh, which I thought they weren't on Twitter. (laughs) But, you know, them not being on Twitter, I guess. it, It sounds like they are, but. The the bummer is that there's not a more direct way to other than showing up to just mm-hmm. show your support. And 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 in, for a great number of people, fairly, it is not possible to show up past this last game against Ohio State, which we will preview in a second. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just it, like I, I, I can't. And and we, we try and be fair in our in our takes and our critiques and not over i mean we are fans but not overly fanboy out but it it is it is hard for me to separate how much he has meant to this university and how impressive of a of a person he has been and someone that that despite being significantly younger than me inspires me to try and be a better person and and deal with adversity which which is small potatoes compared to what he's had to deal with mm-hmm. um and and or let's let's not talk about Cassius for a second Kyle Arns brother Arns married man my my god a man who who literally <laughs> to, to much to my chagrin puts his body on the line without fail yeah, that might be the closest thing to a second Greck principle is that Kyle Arns is going to end up on the floor at some point while he's in the game with with everyone gasping. Like, yeah. is he going to be fine? And and someone who who is playing like he he understands his moment and he knows this is it. And 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 is OK with that. You know, there's no sour grapes about that this is probably the end of the road for him, mm-hmm. but is uh, the ultimate teammate. And, and it just, I am this, those two guys. And yeah, to your point, I don't, uh, I don't know if Josh Langford is going to call it senior day and, and I don't want to discredit Connor George because <laughs> I know there's a fan club out there for him, but you know, it ended up being a small class who's graduating, uh, but my God, two guys who are just amazing. This team is one of the most likable Spartan basketball teams I can remember. Annoyingly uh, so. Yeah, it is. These guys are such nice young men um, from top to bottom, it seems like. So I I will be disappointed if we're transitioning now to Josh Langford. I'm going to be also bummed out in a different way if he ends up participating in senior day stuff i mean the amount of potential that was just not realized due to his body breaking down is the worst since like delvon Rowe. um yeah and i mean he mcdonald's all-american gave everything he had 
um, is very open with his faith, however you want to interpret that. Um, again, just another, just with the last two, another young man that really represented what it means to be a student athlete. And, uh, like you said, at a time when MSU really needed something like that, um, I'm very grateful to have had Josh Langford on scholarship. A student athlete. And I, and I, I think it's worth saying Spartan, you know, Mm -hmm. like we talk a lot about the sort of, you know, the chip on the shoulder and, and how much we don't care for the other university in the state. And, and, but all that stuff is sort of negative in its own way. And, and these guys were everything that we believe about MSU, Mm -hmm. you know, all, all the good things about it. And so, God, man, it's bumming me. I'm just talking about it. Like, they're they're really remarkable, remarkable athletes, um, remarkable human beings who, you know, uh, I wish nothing but wonderful things for. Of course. And I I think we'll see Josh Langford back next year. I'm giving us a 60-40. Like, Whoa, yeah. that is a bold prediction. I'm doing it. I'm going for it. But if he participates in senior day, I, I don't think there's a precedent for anyone coming back after that. <laughs> no, you, you don't get to kiss it twice. No. Um, do you want to say a few things about Ohio State? Uh, yeah, uh, sure. We'll end on that. Caleb Wesson on a roll, playing well. Um, uh, and Justin Arns will be in the house for his brother's senior day. So the second highest Kempom rated team in the Big Ten is coming into MSU on senior day, potentially with the big 10 championship on the line, depending on what happens with Maryland. So it could be a hell of a game to be at. Um, so go have fun, support the seniors and, uh, yeah, go green, go white. And I, I, I don't want to add just on top of that. Cause I know that's normally how we end, but, um, just no matter what happens with the last two games, and we will say this again, I'm certain, but the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, you you really do have a once-in-a-generation player right now. So just be thankful. Mm-hmm. Just be happy you got you got you got these moments. Cause I mean the accomplishments that Cassius has under his belt are remarkable and the only thing that's eluding him from being for sure the best player to ever be at msu is a natty but i i think to our point earlier you take him as a total human being easily the best player at msu in my mind anyway sure so magic is the best player well fine but he didn't he didn't best player to graduate Sure. There we go. Okay. All right. All right. You took us out. I'll let you do the uh, the first half again. Go for it, Greg. Go green, Michael. Go white, Greckers. Have a good night. <laughs>